John, the analysts are a little bit disappointed in us because we only made 57.6 billion in sales this quarter. <laughs> the analysts, let's dance. <laughs> Disappointed at $57.6 billion a quarter in revenue. In what was it? How many? How many? 51 million iPhones. I mean, I, it's. I, I don't. I just got nothing to say about this. Uh, the business of the stock market and, and everything being about growth because that is just bloody stupid, basically. It is. It is. But uh, I don't know. It's like I wish I, I wish I could kind of predict this stuff because just by going on the stupid rise and fall from from earnings releases, you could probably like you know start with an investment of, of ten shares of, of Apple stock, and by reinvesting it after like two years, you would have a hundred or two hundred shares. And even despite their 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 just terrible results um, and the fact that their products suck and nobody wants to buy them, <laughs> and they have no longevity. Longevity, um, you know, it's a terrible terrible investment. Yeah, I wonder if anyone's done some analysis of that. Because I mean, Apple, Apple shares fall in price. What did you look it up just before we started? Forty-one points or something? No, something like um, that. Eight percent. Yeah, they said forty-one yeah, points. Yeah, Apple shares fall in price every time they announce results. Yeah. Okay, it's, been, it's because the market doesn't work on how much money you're making. It works on how much money it wants you to make, yeah. and it wanted it to make more, so disappointed. But I reckon if you bought Apple shares. Mm, two, three, four days after every results announcement, you probably be quite rich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the problem is you just have to kind of time it and stuff like that. It requires a level of attention. I mean, I, I will admit that I own shares of Apple. Um, I, I bought. I foolishly bought. Not foolishly. I'm very happily bought. You know, years and years and years and years ago when they were in their darker days, and it was fourteen dollars a share, and then it split twice, and and I, I wrote it quite well. Um, but that's kind of almost sheer luck for having kind of even known about buying stock and having a little bit of money to, to buy it with. But it was a great investment. Wow, I didn't realize you were such a wealthy man, John. But no. I don't even <laughs> I think wish. I can afford one Apple share at the current pricing, yeah. so there, <laughs> there we are. But it was the um, the Mac's 30th birthday. Uh, was it last week? It was or last Friday. Was the, that was the yeah, day it was released. Friday. Yeah, did you do anything to celebrate? No, but I, I mean, I, it made me think about it. I mean, it, it's kind of funny, you know. People have been referring to it on 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 various uh, websites, and and I, I have a, a guy who I follow on Facebook who who worked at Apple for a bit and and was posting some some early videos, not only of of, of you know talking about the <laughs> the the uncertainty of the the Max future, which was how people greeted it, you know, it being non-standard and so on and so forth, um, but also from the days of 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 Next and Next Step and some some videos of comparing the software development process between the next workstation and you know interface builders as crude as it was back then in comparison to, to how we know it today and how in fact far far ahead of time it was and how much you know easier it was to develop software for the next workstation than it was for sun workstations but you know I, you know me I love this historical stuff but it's kind of funny because now it, it, 30 years is a, is, a, is a damn long time um, I, I, it may mean that we're getting old that that's probably older than a lot of the um, current, uh, you know, top range of iOS developers. Uh, definitely not older than someone like us because we're the old farts of the industry. But um, but uh, there we are. It's uh, it's it's 
It's great to just look at the journey. I was watching um, on YouTube, I don't know, a few months ago now, uh, a demo, I think, of um, uh, Steve Jobs showing development on the next machine. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it was crude and, and whatever else compared to what we have today. But when you just put that into context of what was around at the time, it, it, it's amazing because the concepts are still exactly the same now. Yeah. Not Although the technology for linking it together might be better and the UI experience is better, you know, the concepts that were developed back in that era, they're still the concepts we're using right now. Well, I know, kind of, it, it, it certainly has longevity. It seems like that code base and the ideas were, were there were, they were stewardship involved, wasn't there, Scotty? Oh, John, you are so smooth. <laughs> but I always ruin by saying, John, you are so smooth. Well, people don't <laughs> know why I'm so that. smooth, so go ahead, tell me why I'm so smooth. Okay, because I wanted to talk about uh, an article that was released um, this week by um, our friend Matt Thompson, who's been on the show, um, going to be an NS Conference uh, speaker this year, um, developer of Helios and uh, AF Networking, um, and does the excellent blog NS Hipster. And uh, he posted an article uh, on NS Hipster this uh, week called Stewardship. And he was really... Uh, it's not a long read, it takes a few minutes, so if you're um, in a position you can do, it might be worth just uh, stopping and uh, having a read now. It's at nshipster.com slash stewardship. Uh, he's talking about sort of the responsibility of um, releasing open source code and how it's not just a case of putting your code out there, um, as nice as that might be, but then being a good steward of your code. And he goes through a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, making sure there's a good readme, the stuff that you do at release, which actually, in fairness, a lot of the iOS and um, OS X industry do, making sure there's a good readme, making sure there's an appropriate license. Um, if it's something visual, giving a screenshot, making sure there's a, um, a demo. He argues, and I'm not sure I agree, but, you know, I can, I can understand it, you know, that uh, probably any code released today should... Um, you know, be have a uh, a pod spec for Cocoa Pods because it's becoming more and more popular, um, and be able to release as a pod file, uh, and all that sort of normal, and I suspect normally done uh, by a lot of people. But then it goes into um, more of an argument or more of a case further on about actually you then have a responsibility to maintain that code um, and to you know answer questions about that code it's no good enough just to put it up there to look at um, pull requests on that code um, and actually at the end of the day to be ready to sunset that code because I mean how annoying is it when you're starting to search for um, this is the big one for me how annoying is it when you're starting to search for something to do something and you just find code and it says it's like the right thing, but actually it's from four years ago, hasn't been updated in four years, and you're not sure if it's still going to work or not work. Um, and he says you have a responsibility to withdraw your code when it's no longer relevant, or at least, you know, um, he does an interesting thing, actually. He says, um, take the latest version, delete every file in it, and then uh, save that to um, your GitHub repository, so now there is no source code to download. Obviously, you can get it back in the history and just put in the readme, this code has been sunsetted and whatever else. Now, if anyone still wants to get it and go back to it, they can um, they can do that. But, uh, you know, for people who are new coming across it, they can realise this is not for them anymore. And I just thought it was a really good article about our responsibility in, in open source code, that it's it, as great as it is just to throw that thing you were doing last week up there, that's not really a responsible way to act in, in the community. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's it, while reading, I had those kind of exact thoughts because on the one hand, a lot of people say, and I agree that you know, if you if you've got some code out there and you've got some some techniques, a little gist, a little hint, there are places for that. I mean, that's that's what you know, Stack Overflow is for. That's what gists are for, and and I think that's perfectly fine because it's very clear. But then, and then, but then there's the the big golf, and I think that's what he's talking about. That there's kind of something in between people who just put something up there and people who are going to make the type of of projects that become industry standards. I mean, and, and, and specifically with networking, it's funny because, you know, I, I use AF networking. I use it for the first project. I use it in Findry. I'd never done it before because I'd rolled my own networking classes because I, I do a lot with it. And, you know, we came to the decision that it was, it was better to use something that was, you know, uh, supported and that there's a lot of uh, an active community around. And that's something that, that you talk about a lot. And, and it is, and I know that this whole decision about you know using somebody's software versus rolling your own, the, the the pros and cons of that. But I I just think that you 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 cannot argue with the, with the gold standard that is AF networking. And I'm not saying it to kind of blow sunshine, but it's truly it is as he describes it. And as concerns the responsibility, it's kind of funny because. There was a, another networking library, and I can't remember what it was beforehand, but it was used by a lot of people and saying, look, if you have to retrieve data from a web service, just use this. And that was really kind of the, the, the pat answer to a lot, of, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of requests, a lot of saying, how do I do this? And, and then it kind of, that author uh, actually did kind of say, yes, it's been sunsetted. And, I, and I'm pretty sure they even said kind of, you know, now the, the thing you want to use is AF networking. And and at, at some point AF networking will, will will sunset and there's some people will probably argue that with the latest whatever NS Earl request session or something that you don't need a, a networking library but but whatever you know it it, it it is good to think about about the implications of what you do in the world and, and I know that's all kind of what Zenish sounding but it's true so. Yeah, I think, I mean, this whole thing about using open source and not open source or other people's libraries, we're having a session on that NS conference, actually, um, called Not Made Here, um, which probably takes the opposite argument to what you would take, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what debate we get around that. Um, see, I think, you know, the problem with, let's, let's stick with AF networking because you've raised it, um, was once that people would stick AF networking into their um, application to just do a simple REST API, a single REST API or URL request. And suddenly, you know, you'd introduced, you know, thousands and thousands of lines of, of code into your application to, you know, do something that you could have done using Coco in, you know, 10, 20 lines of code. But, you know, I, I think... Um, uh, I haven't really looked at that much detail yet, but my understanding is, you know, th these are open source projects. They take time to mature, they grow, and in um, AF Networking Two, they've sort of identified that that's a problem, and it's become far more modular, meaning you can just put in the bits you need, and so that answers that problem. But you know, this is because it's a well maintained, well looked after um, set of open source. Now, in, in fairness, AF Networking is probably bigger than what most people are going to stick up for open source is going to be some sort of control that you've written um, or some sort of, you know, uh, I, I think the thing you say about gist is really, really good. You know, sometimes it's more appropriate to release the code as a gist. Um, and I'm not sure everybody always knows that. And we just have loads and loads of little files up there, which I don't necessarily have a problem with, but I think, you know, there's a good argument to be made for thinking about that one. Uh, but it's it's this, the fact that throwing your code up there, um, this concept of stewardship I find quite strong that actually you are going to be permanently responsible for that code um, Matt in the article gives, gives a definition of um, stewardship 
uh, and it's you know it's about really um, evokes the ethic of public service and duty. To be a steward is to embody the responsibilities that come with ownership. And I think you have to remember you own this code for the time it's it's out there, and and your work, your responsibility. Um, isn't over just because you've put it up there. Uh, he says it's an act that justifies authority through continued accountability. Um, and, and I think that's in, in, in the maintenance of this. And answering questions, he puts you know, a very old um, one saying, you know, if you put open source code out there and you're not prepared to answer questions, don't bother putting it out there. You know, telling people to RTFM is a lame answer to any question. Um, but equally says it's a dead-end way... For you, you're, you're throwing away the potential for you to actually learn something yourself because often by answering other people's questions, you, you you realize, well, actually, maybe I didn't approach that in the best way or maybe, oh, boy, wasn't I really clever or, or, or whatever else. So this is part of your fulfillment from open source. And in many ways, this, this community aspect of open source is a bigger reward for you than actually just putting the source code out there in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I think the other thing to, to, to round out the discussion is that, you know, you, you put something out there and software does seem ephemeral, but if, if nothing else, you know, software, whether it's code that, that developers use or software as a product that, that, that human beings use, you know, it, 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 it involves a use of a lot of time. And time is, is really the, the most precious commodity out there. And so, you know, even if, if you don't care about open source software, you never use somebody else's library. Another thing to do is if, if you put a product out there, you, you also have a responsibility of stewardship for, for that. You know, if, if, if at some point you decide, hey, I'm never going to work on this anymore, th then you should stop supporting it, but make it clear. And if, and if you do want to support things, you know, that, that a long time, then you do need to support your users even, you know, for, for a good long time. You do have to think about that. You certainly do. Now, we've been talking about networking, John, AF networking. Um, it wasn't the intention, but it came up. But you wanted to talk about uh, networking from a sort of a more technical point of view. I think, was it was something to do with crappy connections or no connections? Yes. So I, I spent yesterday uh, dealing with, you know, how, do you, how does your app respond when you're out there in, on a cell network, and I think it's as if you're you're developing iOS applications, you're developing mobile applications of any sort. It doesn't matter. You 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 do the development on a simulator. You may even do the development directly to a device. But more often than not, you just become lulled into thinking, "Wow, it's like everything's are really snappy and the response times are good." And of course, that's because you're on a Wi-Fi network. And then you say, "Okay, well, I'll do a quick test on mobile." Uh, it seems to you know on, on on cell network, and it's like, "Oh, it seems to work pretty well." But you really do need to spend a good amount of time. Um, seeing how your app behaves out there in the field, because here's something that you are going to, you know, you're going to see lots of requests and lots of comments on. It's like, well, you know, here I have a three out of four, three out of four bars of, of signal strength, and I'm not getting any response back. And you know, the reality is, is that signal strength is only part of the equation. It tells you how how strong the signal is between you and the cell phone tower, but it doesn't reveal the fact that the dirty little secret of cell networks are is that they're way oversubscribed and they don't have the the, the backhole to have actual good through, throughput. So you know, uh, and so you know, your customers are going to say, you know, how come the app performs so lousily, and because I have perfect signal strength, I'm standing next to the tower, and so you know. 
there are different ways of testing it. One way is just simply, you know, be smart, turn off Wi-Fi, and, and chances are you may be in a room somewhere where the cell strength is diminished enough that you can then really see how the app behaves. Or if you don't want to do that, the other option is, is turning on the link conditioning. It's a, it's a developer setting that you have so you can simulate different network conditions, which is even more valuable. You can say, what is your app, you know, put the, put the app, put the simulator in a condition where you're going to get lots of packet loss. Because then you can see, you know, things like, you know, you're reloading a page and you may forget to kind of blank out the display so that people are seeing old data and they're like wondering, is this working? Or not having a spinner of some sort or having a spinner that's totally modal to the window so that people can't do anything else while they're doing something or or having, you know, rep not counting, you know, when there are repeated failures. And, and the specific case I was looking at right now or right yesterday was, uh, Uploading, right? So, in in general, cell networks are and 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 network service providers tend to favor downloads versus uploads, and for kind of obvious reasons, people consume more than they push up. But then, you know, if you're trying to submit something, which in the case of Findery we are, uh, you notice that that you if it fails, it can fail pretty easily. And then how do you how do you make that situation, which is unfortunate for the user, at least comfortable and and give them the impression that you care about it? And so that's where you know doing things like making sure that it, uh, you you do the you know understand when when network conditions are bad and having a nice kind of a humane alert panel saying sorry you know we have network problems would you like to save this in a draft for instance and and submit it later when you have better network conditions. So. Um, that was just my little helpful hint. Again, it's it, it's probably very obvious, but it may be something that gets short shrift. And don't 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 do that. You you have to kind of get in a good idea about how people are actually going to use your your software because these first impressions will, will end up killing you if you don't. But it's it's stuff like that 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 um, sorts out you know okay software from excellent software. Right. Um, you know because. Yeah, let's face it. You, the, the the basis of some products, um, you know, to take a photo and upload it to a photo share service, you know, the reality is you could probably implement the back end and the front end of that in you know in a, in a morning. Mm -hmm. But you know, then to have it cover all those conditions, to do it well, to respond well, to look good, to to give good feedback, to try and anticipate what's going on, to scale, and all these things. That, that's where the work is, and yep. that, that's what makes you um, a, a great product producer over just you know someone who throws code together. And um, this stuff's really important to to do. And I think you know there's we live in such a connected world, and and you know developers, especially in the US, you all tend to sit there on your files connections, whatever it is, with your fifty meg up and your fifty meg down, and and <laughs> whatever. So, you know. How does your app work in in uh, you know central Manhattan or downtown San Francisco, where let's face it, the cell networks data wise are are you know terrible? Um, uh, maybe every developer should visit downtown San Francisco to test their app. Absolutely, and, uh, Apple should pay for that. No, um, yeah. But uh, it, it's this stuff that really sorts out whether you care or you you don't care. I think there's a sense of. Um, you, of stewardship. Let's go back to that word. There's a sense of stewardship in in taking care of your users, um, in in how you handle these types of situations. Totally, yeah. And unfortunately, it just takes time. And you know, you may not even get it right for the first release. So I mean, but that's something that that's the things that you'll find out. I mean, we 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 spent uh, you know. 
the last week with our, our, our beta testers asking them to send screen grabs to like show us what the, the home screen looked like where you were. It was, it was, it was lots of fun. I mean, it was, it was fun and cool to see things working. It was also great, great to be able to say, oh, that's not quite right. Oh, uh -oh there was a duplicate. We better fix that. So it takes time. It takes time. These things do. All good things takes time. Now, John, our sponsor this week, have a great product that actually saves time. Oh, there I I'm trying to segue stuff as well, you know. Um, uh, briefs from our friends at Martian Craft. I got it right this week, see, John? Yeah. Um, check it out at giveabrief.com. Brief is a Mac app that allows you to mock up uh, the UI for your um, iOS app, um, iPhone or iPad. and um, But rather than just being... Um, pretty pictures like a d design i mean obviously the design is important and this is for your designer to work with um it's also sort of does flow so as you tap on bits of the screen it will show you the next thing it is going to and you actually take these designs and through the connector and the ios app you can load it onto the device itself and sort of play with your mock-up of your device and get a feel for you know how does that workflow feel how does that um uh, uh, does it work? Is there a better way of doing this? And you know, just spending some time doing this stuff um, actually at the end of the day saves time. And as you said earlier on, John, I think the most uh, uh, precious asset we have and the most expensive asset we have as developers is our time. So anything that means we get it right first time has got to be a good thing. Absolutely. And, and you know, here, here's something else I was thinking about that for that particular product is 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 that you know it it. Everybody wants to, to, to design for the happy case, but nobody seems to want to, to design for the unhappy case, which is what happens. And so you know, one of the things that's nice uh, uh, about briefs is that you, you can do that. It's so easy because you can say, all right, here's what's happened where I'm going to, the user's going to launch the app for the first time. We're going to pull some data down from our server, and then we're going to present them this wonderful visual present we have for them. Now we've got that going. Let's handle the case where the network connectivity dies. How is the, the, the alert panel or the, you know, is it going to be something subtle that comes in from the top? Is it going to be a modal one that kind of slides down? What's it going to look like so people can have a look at that and, and build that in from the very first case because you have to recognize that's going to be in there. If you design for the unhappy case with as much love as you design for the happy case, your app will be that much better. And if you are able to get the interaction nailed down as early as possible, you will have the extra time towards the end of the project when you desperately, desperately need it to be able to, to go and do those designs and you will have already thought about it and it's going to be more a case of tuning something versus scrambling to get something barely working in. Yeah, and, and the other great thing here is if you're a contractor and you, you develop stuff for clients, um, you can actually you can now put these mockups on a device in your client's hand. So instead of them just looking at some Photoshop mockups and saying, "Yeah, that looks nice," that's going to do it. Yeah, you know what clients are like non non developing clients, non developer clients. They're going to sit there and they're going to say, "That oh, looks nice," and then the moment they're going to say, "But where's the button for this?" or "Where's the button for that?" or why isn't this screen showing? And and so it means you could put this sort of um, the mock-ups in their hand for them to use and work through. You, you're going to get that really essential client feedback, um, you know, right up early, and, and that's going to save you know them frustration. It's going to make you a superhero to them because um, you know you're, you're just sort of handling this stuff so well. So check it out, giveabrief.com. Uh, There's a couple of uh, videos on the website explaining it all probably far better than we just have. Um, you can do a free download to try it out um i think it's 30 days but don't take my word for that um 
It retails at $199, um, which is still sad that many developers go, oh, $199, but, you know, how, how valuable is time and, you know, how much money could this save you and, and all that. And actually, you know, I applaud these guys for charging a proper price for a proper tool um, in the iOS uh, development market. So I, I'm going to be totally pro that. So Martian Craft, briefs, giveabrief.com. Go check it out. Thank you very much for sponsoring this week's show. We do appreciate it. Ah, John. Scotty. Last uh, In the last segment, you were talking about when you're putting Release 1 out. Mm-hmm. Last week, I spoke about the potential of Release 1 uh, of uh, ReviewCast. I was t- told everybody the name. Mm-hmm. And how I was... Um, the, the application was written, um, and I was procrastinating over how to uh, deploy the app. Do I just use something like Heroku? Do I go for um, Amazon Web Services? Do I get a, a, a server um, Linode or, or to do that? And uh, do you know what solution I came to, John? To not do it. I came to the best solution any developer could do. I rewrote the app. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, instead of deploying my app, I have totally rewritten it. You re- yeah, you basically redeployed it to Xcode. So. I've redeployed re- re- redeployed it on my hard drive. <laughs> And so I am sat here now with an app that that does exactly the same thing in a slightly different way. <laughs> um, and rewritten in, no, in Pascal, no less. Yeah, no better. No, no, it's still all in in, in, in Ruby and stuff. Uh, it's no better and no worse than it was last week, but I didn't have to make a deployment decision because I developed something instead. Please release me. Let me go. I mean... <laughs> Talk about not following my own advice. I should I should go and listen to this podcast called um, Software Indie, which yeah. this this guy on there gives you some great advice for getting products out the door, no. and, he, and he tells you all stuff like not doing this. No, no. So you see, so you're providing uh, you're a great service to listeners. You you are the negative case. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was sat there thinking, how am I going to explain this to John? <laughs> you know, and, for, and, for, for, no, you know, honestly, you know, you have to explain it to. You need to get Simon Wolf in here and and, and just basically have him laugh at you. Uh, in fairness, I I didn't just develop it for no reason. I developed it to um, create a. Uh, the solution I had was quite distributed, which which gave me um, lots of flexibility going forward. But it also made my my minimum deployment footprint quite big. Um, so I had to start with a reasonably big footprint from day one and quite a complex footprint. Um, and so I did redevelop it to to make it a simpler deployment to give me more flexibility in deployment. So I was thinking of deployment, but I, you know, it, it, it was a bit of a cop-out. And um, I, I have just started again, actually, uh, just over the weekend, starting to relook at uh, how to deploy. And I'm not going to promise for next week, but hopefully it will be deployed. The, the trouble is... With this, it's working in a whole bunch of areas that I don't really understand. And yes, I could uh, just uh, take this and take some script that I find on Stack Overflow and probably deploy the app. But I don't think that's a very responsible way of putting something out there that I've then got to try and keep there and tell people about and, and whatever else. So I want to I want at least... And there's loads of these frameworks for development. I mean, you go to... Um, Amazon Web Services, which is obviously a great way to host things these, these days because um, you can scale up and change your instance. 
but even they themselves have two or three different um, deployment frameworks to try and make this easy for you. And, and all their documentation say, but they're, you know, they're all great. So I think um, they've got Opsworks and they've got a Beanstalk. And, and it's like just wading through the documentation to decide which one of one provider's uh-huh. um, deployment things you want to use. And then, and then you've got a Heroku, which I know how to use Heroku. But that's another problem. I know how to use Heroku. And I, I know when it starts to become a problem, um, to me and i am budget sensitive in this as a a, a free application and therefore i, I am is as quickly as heroku may get it out there if, if it does scale and it starts costing a lot of money to run you know that's i don't have the budget for that and that's just providing that's not good stewardship either having to you know stop the app because i can't afford it to run out there even though people are liking it um so I'm trying to be sensible here, but it is, yeah, I, I am thinking like a developer and I'm, I need to slap myself around the head and uh, start thinking more like a um, a product producer. But uh, I thought you'd quite enjoy that story. I did indeed. I did indeed. All right, Mr. Scotty, let's, let's bring this boat home. No? Yes, let's do that. Um, John, where is your harbour? <laughs> My harbour on Twitter. <laughs> Where you should definitely follow me is as Jembe, D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. You can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com, and you can also find out about my my, my love and interest in Findery at findery.com, where you can sign up, create an account, because it's coming to an iPhone near you, and you're going to love it, I think. And my name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. ADN is Scotty. My personal blog, which hasn't been updated in ages, is wafflewithmeaning.com. Reviewcast.io for the thing that may one day get deployed. And ideveloper.co for the show notes for this um, uh, this show. Please do check them out. We put all the links in the show notes, um, the links to the sponsors. Thank you very much, uh, Martian Craft and Briefs, for um, sponsoring the show today. Links to the articles we've, we've spoken about in there. Um, as well so please do go check those out you can uh, subscribe to the show in itunes please give us a review on itunes it helps other people find the show and it makes us feel loved and special right john it's been an absolute pleasure as usual as always as always mr scotty and so thank you to john and thank you to all you wonderful listeners and until next time you take Please release me, let me go For I don't love you anymore Love again.